the opportunity to be in your house to worship, to magnify, to give you glory, to give you honor. You are a great God. Come on, let's praise Him together. You are a great God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of God today. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God today. Lord bless you for coming to church this morning. So thankful for God's goodness and His mercy and His blessings. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Amen. Lord bless you for standing. You may be seated. So good to see everyone that is here today. It's such an honor that you've come here to be with us in church. And uh, if you are a guest, we want you to know that we are extremely honored and privileged that you've come to be with us today. Lord bless you for being in the house of God. And along with Brother Duplessy, we do uh, wish all of the fathers here a happy Father's Day. And uh, Lord bless you. You have a very, very important job. And uh, do the job that God has given you justice and do a good job. And uh, Lord bless you. And uh, we commend all of you today. And uh, we are thankful uh, that you are in the house of God. And also, I know that it should, but it does not. It does not uh, have the same uh, feeling and uh, response that Mother's Day does, not meaning that Father's is any less important. Uh, I don't think so because I am a father, so naturally I don't feel that way. Now, some of the mothers might want to argue that point a little bit, but... Anyway, uh, I think daddies, uh, <clears throat> well, they just do things a little bit different than mothers, but uh, they are equally important in uh, children's lives. And uh, we are thankful for all the fathers who are playing a very positive role in your children's life today. Lord bless you. And uh, I would say that today, that I would like to say today, I honor Brother Duplessy as being a father figure in my life and uh, been there for me for many, many years, about uh, 22 years of my life now. And um, I honor and respect him very highly, and happy Father's Day to Brother Duplessy. And uh, the work that he has done here for years in this church, and uh, along with this church family, we congratulate him. And uh, we have a sign in the foyer. And he keeps wanting me to take that sign down. I said, well, when we finish this year, we'll take it down. But they take it down, and I put it back up. And uh, so we are honoring him in 57 years of ministry, preaching this wonderful gospel. And that is to be commended today. <clears throat> and again, it is so glad... So we are so glad to have Brother McDaniel able to be in church with us today. And the uh, Lord bless him. We are thankful for what God has done for him. Thankful to see Brother Mark able to be in church today. Amen. Had a tremendous scare here Thursday night. And uh, we are glad that he is doing well and uh, mending very quickly. And thank God for that. Thank God for his miracle working power. I believe we touched God in the in, uh, under the breezeway here Thursday night and for that we are grateful and uh, thankful and uh, we were sorry that we missed Brother Lambeth being able to be with us Thursday night but I know it was very good 
and uh, thank you for your offering. And we were able to uh, give Brother Lambeth a tremendous offering, and thank you for that. Lord bless you for giving to the missions. And I tell you, Brother Lambeth and the entire Lambeth family is doing a tremendous, tremendous work for God in Brazil. Very impressed the time that I was able to spend over there and uh, be with them in uh, different works and uh, see the work that they have done and uh, what God is doing. Your money is well spent. Anything that goes there uh, is, is well spent. And uh, thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you for giving as unto the Lord, uh, supplying the mission field. And we're able to touch a lot of people across the, the world and, uh, by, by your giving. And the uh, Lord bless you for doing so. And I feel like that I have been tremendously blessed of the Lord. And uh, I know this church feels the same way. We want to uh, be looking forward to this coming weekend, Brother Smith. Uh, will be here with us, and um, a retired pastor, and um, very good preacher, man of God, and uh, David Smith, and we're looking forward to him being here with us this coming weekend. So remember uh, that, and uh, be be faithful to the house of God, and uh, look forward to God doing something great for us. Don't forget youth camp coming up. We need to uh, try to get a count on how many is going. And uh, so if you would see my wife uh, after service, if you're planning on going, if you are a junior camper age, and uh, also if you're going with the puppets or, or if you're just going, uh, see her. And uh, this is adults and uh, children and uh, young people all. They all, we all, we got to have everybody's name. So remember that. Please take care of that announcement. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter number 4. I was reading this scripture the other night, uh, took from Proverbs chapter 4 in uh, the graduation service, and I'll go back to that today and uh, do something just a little bit different, kind of, I guess, kind of like I did Mother's Day a little bit. But Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 1, we'll be reading 1 through 7. Hear, ye children, the instructions of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender, and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the word of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, Get understanding. Lord bless you for standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Proverbs is dealing here, uh, just speaking words of wisdom. And it talks about, first it starts out talking and saying, 
Hear, ye children, the instructions of a father and attend to no understanding. And a lot of you uh, young people here today would probably pray that God would help you to understand your father. That's not exactly what it was talking about, but I guess it could be said that way, that God would help us understand. But get an understanding. It says, for I give you good doctrine, and it tells us not to forsake the law. And uh, he said, I was my father's son. I was tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. And uh, we can all, I imagine a lot of us today can thank God for our mothers because if it was not for uh, the fear that our father had for our mothers, we would probably not be here today. We would have not made it through the raising of our fathers. But thank God that I was dearly beloved by my mother. And, uh, and then it goes back to the father and he says, He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. And I believe today that a father is teaching in every aspect of their life. That when you have children, they are continually watching you. They are continually paying attention. Uh, it is something uh, about a child that you never have to teach them how to lie. They have a natural born instinct to know how to. I know a lot of you think your child will not lie, but, but contrary to your, your opinion and your faith that you have in them, it's something that you do not have, uh, have to teach them. Now, I have seen some that, that their lying ability was uh, cultivated and developed by their fathers. <laughs> oh, come on, let's just have a good time this morning. Y'all loosen up just a little bit. Uh, but but uh, they, they learn things. They, uh, they learn how to talk and they take on your accent. They learn how to walk, and they walk like you. And uh, they, they just learn how to do things, just like you do it. And uh, because you are the, the uh, figure in their life that's teaching them. So we are, always, we are always an example. We are always a teacher. And he says, forget not the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. It tells us that if we want to, Brother Duplessis already mentioned this scripture, if we want to have long life, we are to obey our parents and respect them and honor them. And uh, I want to take just a, a few moments today and uh, I want to just, if I could, if you'll bear with me, I think I have some things that's quite um, <clears throat> entertaining and and helpful to us today but I want to uh, I want to just talk this morning for a few moments and pay tribute to uh, my daddy and uh, my daddy was a wonderful man and uh, he uh, passed away at 61 years old uh, it was 14 years ago be 14 years July the 28th and uh, so uh, I know some of you uh, younger, you think that that's quite old, but that's not very old at all. 
and uh, that's not a very long life. But he lived life to the fullest, and uh, he loved life, and uh, he enjoyed life. Some of you had the privilege to, uh, to meet him and to know him. Uh, Brother Mac Daniel knew him very well, and uh, they had a, a long uh, friendship together. And, um, but <clears throat> he, was, he was quite a different man. Uh, to say that he was easygoing <laughs> would not be correct. To say that he had a very hot temper would be uh, the way to describe him. I, uh, he had a very colorful life. I can remember uh, in, in life, he, he had this great fear. And uh, he, he must have dreamed about this. He had visions about this. He imagined this. But, but his fear was that I would say yes or no to him. And uh, I would say, yes, sir. He'd say, what'd you say, boy? I said, I said yes, sir. And uh, he said, well, you always remember to go heavy on that, sir. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter where you come from. He just thought that that younger people was supposed to honor older folks. And you would say, yes, sir, and no, sir. And uh, I know that that's not popular today, but it's still good teaching. <clears throat> and... Um, I know that some of you, even your school teacher, would tell you, don't say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir, to me, but just go ahead and do it anyway. It's just a good way of showing respect. And uh, I still, I, I'm in such a habit of doing it, I say it to people younger than I am. It's just part of my chemical makeup. And I've had people... Uh, say, well, you don't say yes, sir, or no, sir, to me. I said, well, I'm scared if I don't, my daddy will come out of the grave and take his belt off to me again. But um, I, I, um, I, I remember <clears throat> he, he had a, years ago when he first started preaching, he started preaching about, I think he was about 15 and a half when he started preaching and he started traveling. Uh, it was amazing the way that God worked in his life and the way that God blessed him. He was preaching, I believe it was in Oklahoma, and uh, there was a lady there that, that uh, uh, took up with him, an older lady, and uh, she was pretty wealthy, and she was able to buy him a tent, a big tent, not a pup tent, but a large tent to hold services in. And uh, bought, uh, the tent was so large, she bought a semi-trailer truck uh, to carry that tent in. And uh, bought him a new car to drive. And uh, bought him a new pickup and a travel trailer. And uh, he went to traveling across the country. And uh, setting up his tent and preaching. And uh, at 15 years old, I don't, I don't know if you could have driver's license at that, that age back then. But uh, I don't guess it really mattered. And I'd, I'd ask him about these things and uh, when I would want to do something or I'd want to go somewhere. And he said, I'd, I wasn't old enough to do that. I said, well, what about you? And he always uh, reassured me that he was a lot smarter than I was. And uh, so, so he started traveling across the country. And uh, he met a guy and I believe it was in Faraday, Louisiana. And uh, became his piano player. 
and his name was Jerry Lee Lewis. And uh, yes, it is the singer uh, today. And he started traveling uh, with him and playing the piano. He said that he was quite uh, a colorful character in his own right. Now, I don't know how spiritual that he ever was, and, uh, but, but he could play the piano and lead singing, and that's what Daddy was needing at the time. So they traveled around, and Daddy would work, and he said that he would sit on the blocks. Daddy would, was a block layer, and, and uh, so he built a lot of churches in his travel, and he said he would sit on the blocks and play the guitar and sing while he worked. said it never bothered him to watch him work. But uh, he traveled with him uh, for quite some time. He said he'd get in the spirit and, uh, and uh, whatever spirit it was and kick the piano stool out from under him and jump up on the piano and dance on it with his feet and, and uh, dance across the platform and sing. And they were having revival. He told me a story about one time they were in Mississippi and they were broke. They didn't have any money. And uh, so at that time there was not motels or hotels on every corner. So when you traveled somewhere, your best bet was to find somebody to spend the night with. And so they were standing there in the service and, and uh, just waiting on somebody to come ask them to spend the night with them. And uh, so uh, everybody started leaving and nobody was there. And uh, so <clears throat> they got down to about one or two people was left in the church and they didn't have no money. To buy any gas, they didn't know where they was going to go or how they was going to get to where they was going to go if they had any place to go. And uh, so, so there was a couple people left and one person walked up and said, won't you just come spend a night with us? They said, we believe we will. And uh, so about that time, another person come up and handed him a $20 bill. And he said he thought that guy was going to lose his mind. Said he went to running around the car, dancing and a shouting. And uh, so they had some good times together. He had a guy that would stay in his tent and kind of guard, uh, guard his tent uh, at night. And uh, so, so you know the way evangelists are. And uh, they like to roam all night and sleep all day. That's kind of their, their uh, chemical makeup. And y'all don't tell the evangelists that I said that. But uh, <clears throat> that's kind of what they like to do. And so they was goofing off one night. This guy, he was staying in a tent, but he really wanted to be a preacher. And so he was there, and uh, my, my daddy and, and uh, Jerry Lee, they got the uh, PA system, and they turned the PA system on, and they run a mic way outside. And they was way behind the tent. And this guy, they knew he'd go to sleep about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, so they was waiting on him to go to sleep. And uh, so when he went to sleep, he started calling his name on the PA system. And uh, he jumped up, yes, 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 praise God, yes, 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 yes. And he is praising God. He said whatever his name was, and he said, this is the Lord. <laughs> oh, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. The, the man was hearing from God. So uh, there on that PA system that night, they called that man into the ministry. And uh, the next morning, he was telling them how he heard the audible voice of God. And uh, my daddy loved to pull jokes. He loved to, I mean, he lived for that. Then one night, the, this same guy was staying. They were out in the country, and he was staying in 
the semi-trailer truck. And he was up in that truck, and he had him a bed up in there, and that's where he was sleeping. So uh, my daddy and another man that was there, they found a guy that had some chickens. So they, they got in the chicken coop, and those chickens were on the roost, so they called, called them about a tow sack full of chickens. And they went and opened the door on that trailer truck, throwed those chickens in that trailer truck, and shut and locked the door. And that guy's in the dark with those chickens, and they had some quite of carrying on inside the trailer. And, uh, but always I can remember, um, <laughs> he had, he had a way of making people angry. If he, if he could get under, you, you, you think that I pick a lot. And if he thought he could get under your skin, buddy, he was going to do his, his very best to do so. I can remember one young evangelist come by one day and, uh, he, he was preaching, man, he preached, done a good job that Sunday morning. And um, we were, <laughs> we come home from church, and Daddy, he just, he looked for stuff to, he loved to argue. It did not matter. If you said, if you said those lights were on, he would say they're off, just where he could argue and start an argument. It didn't matter which side of the fence he was on. It, it didn't matter if he knew he was wrong. He still loved to argue. So uh, this man walks in, and Daddy looks at his shoes, and he has some little, uh, tassel deals out there on his shoes and daddy said man I can't believe you'd wear a pair of shoes like that and this guy he kind of you know kind of bowed up a little bit so daddy knew he had done touched a sore spot and uh, so he just kept on and on I don't know if a guy can even be saved wearing shoes like that and around and around they went he made that guy so mad he didn't get his check he got in his car and went back home. And he was scheduled to preach that night. And so I said, Daddy, didn't you feel bad? He said, nah. I said, if he can be mad that easy, he said, he don't even need to be preaching. Anyway, so that was his, his theory behind that. And, uh, but uh, <clears throat> he, he was someone that would get very angry very quick and over it very quick. Uh, I can remember he'd he done things a little bit different in church. And his Sunday mornings was his time of open Bible discussion. Now, this is what he would do. And uh, he had set his little podium thing out there in the front. All the kids would be going to Sunday school. And the adults would have Sunday school. And he'd teach his lesson. He'd walk around jiggling his change in his pocket. And then he'd walk up to somebody and say, What do you think about that? And they'd give their opinion. And he'd... Tell him his opinion, and they'd give him his opinion, and they'd go back and forth about different opinions. And uh, so if he, if he taught a Sunday school lesson and did not get someone to ask a question, he felt like that he had miserably failed. Uh, one of the, <laughs> this is not real spiritual at all, but it's real funny. And uh, one of the mornings, you know, funny things happen to preachers sometimes, and and uh, you have little mistakes and mishaps that happen. And uh, he was teaching Sunday school. And he was propped up on the corner bench. And uh, he was sitting there with his hand propped up on the corner bench. And he was just teaching along. And uh, he was having a good time. My sister-in-law was sitting there on the quarter bench. I'm probably going to get in trouble for telling this, but it happened and it's funny anyway. 
And he's just teaching away, and my sister-in-law reaches out, and his pants is unzipped. And she zips up his pants while he's in the middle of teaching his Bible class. And he kind of jumps back, and he goes, Woo! Thank you. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, Bible class was always interesting. And I know that wasn't spiritual, but woke you up anyway. <clears throat> it woke him up too. It woke everybody up, matter of fact. Uh, and uh, his, his subject was, now if he couldn't get anybody stirred up, he'd get over on those wives being in subjection to their own husband. And uh, he'd start... Teaching about that. That was always a surefire deal to get somebody stirred up in the auditorium. So one morning, this woman has a question. She said, Brother Looper, I got a question. He said, well, sure, go ahead. What's your question? Now, this guy is about six foot six that she's married to. Big old man, much of a man, and he's sitting right beside her. She's about five foot two, and she's sitting there. And she said, Brother Looper, my question is, what do you do if your husband's too stupid to be the head of the house? Her husband's sitting there, he goes, <laughs> that might be some of y'all's problem and answer to that question. But I don't remember what the answer to that question was, but it kind of caught him off guard. And, uh, but very, very, very uh, quick thinking, always able to come back. And uh, his Sunday mornings, he, he uh, enjoyed them tremendously. They, they were his time uh, to have a good time at church. But I can remember in a camp meeting, he, he didn't, he was not bashful, he was not timid about what he believed at all. If he thought he was right, he had fight a circle saw over what he, what he thought was right. I can remember we were at a camp meeting. He, he was preaching a day service. Someone else was preaching the nights. And uh, it was a night service, and they had this guy come in. And um, he was not preaching. But at the end of service, they started, they started having this prophesying going forth. Well, Daddy knew the background on this man. And uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't a fan of his, to say the least. And so this guy gets to prophesying. And daddy walks up in the midst of him prophesying. This church going on now. He said, he's a false prophet and don't believe a word he's saying. I mean, there was a holy hush come across the crowd. And uh, so, so needless to say, it stirred up a, a little stink. So they head to the office. I just started preaching at the time. Man, I didn't know what to do. I, yeah, I just, hey man, I don't know who this guy is. I just rode here with him. And uh, so I'm, I'm there and daddy walks by the seat and he grabs me by the hand. He said, come back here to the office with us. I said, daddy, man, I, I just started preaching. I don't need to be in on anything like this. No discussion like it's supposed to happen in that office. He said, no, he said, you need to know how you take care of false prophets. So he didn't let go of my hand, and I'm going down the aisle. Yeah, we're going to take care of false prophets. And uh, we go in the office, and I learned some very important things that day. 
And uh, <clears throat> I can't tell you everything that I learned, but it was very educational. And, uh, but but not, not being one to back down. And uh, for that, I, I am honored that, that um, I've had that privilege for a man like that to be in my life. His faith in God was, was uh, it, it was something to be admired. Uh, everybody may not have agreed with him, but you could not knock his faith and his trust in God and his commitment to God. And uh, a lot of you uh, know my background and, and know the way that my, my mom and daddy believed. And uh, quite different than the way that we do things today. But they believed that God could absolutely do anything. And they believed in trusting Him to do everything. Uh, I can remember him telling me a story about when he first come to Stuttgart. And this is the reason why his faith was so strong. Is because what he had experienced God doing. And uh, when you trust God for more, you see God do more. And uh, so uh, I remember him telling me, he said he was living out out in the country and he had built him a little block house and him and mom and I think they had two kids at the time and another one on the way and uh, so he said they would he would do everything that he could just to just to have enough money just to even live on and uh, somebody had come in contact with he could do he could do anything he could build houses he could he could uh, fix cars I mean there's nothing I don't guess that he could not do and uh, so he had found a guy that was needing some uh, car overhauled, so he was overhauling his car for him. said he had got through. Now, this, this is amazing. This is so amazing. You'll think that I'm telling a story, but, but it actually happened. And uh, I'm sure all the parties involved now is passed on. But, but for years, you could ask the guy that, that the car belonged to, and he would tell you what happened. He got through uh, rebuilding this engine. And all of you that knows anything about an engine, there is a firing order that you have to have all the spark plug wires in the right right way and coming off of the distributor the right way, and and uh, or the car won't run smooth. It'll it'll lope, and jump, and buck, and carry on. If you don't have it halfway right, it won't even start. And uh, so he got through with that engine, and he is ready to get paid, and said he could not figure out the firing order, and uh, he he had written it down. When he started to break the engine apart, and some way or another it got misplaced, could not find it, could not remember it. He said he worked for three days out there trying to get the firing order right on that car and could not do it. And he got to praying and he said, God, I need the money. I've got to have the money. I've got to get this car fixed. The guy's wanting his car. I'm wanting my money. And I've got to have the car fixed. And he said he went to bed that night. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, he had a dream, and he dreamed the firing order of that car. He said as soon as he got through dreaming the firing order, he woke up and he sat up in the bed, and he ran out in, in outside, and he opened the hood of that car and put those wires like he had dreamed, started it up, and it ran as smooth as silk. His faith in God was, was remarkable. He even... Uh, uh, one time was squirrel hunting and uh, stepped in a looking at a squirrel, shot one squirrel out, walking around the tree, looking up at the tree, getting ready to shoot another one, stepped on a rattlesnake and it bit him on top of the foot. 
And uh, to the day he died, he had the two fang marks right in the top of his foot where the rattlesnake bit him. Got in the car, drove home. Four or five men come over and prayed for him. And that evening, I believe he was at church. And uh, just, just remarkable faith. He got ready to build the church at Stuttgart, the very first church that he was building. I think he was 17 years old at this time. And uh, he was out there working, said he didn't have any money. Uh, he would just save up a little money, go buy a uh, hundred blocks, come back and lay them and wait till he got some more money. He said he was laying those blocks and a man pulls up in the driveway, gets out of the car. He's in a pair of overalls and he's standing there holding those overalls, his hands in those overalls, saying, son, what you doing there? I think he was chewing on a cigar. And uh, daddy, I don't guess daddy'd ever even seen the man before. And he said, well, I'm building the church. He said, well, how are you going to pay for it? He said, well, I work a little bit, save up a little money, go buy some material, come back and, and uh, start working on the church again. He said, well, what would you do if somebody loaned you the money? He said, well, I'd try to pay it back, but nobody will loan me any money. He said, well, come over here and let me talk to you. And he left that day with the money in hand to complete that church. That guy said, don't worry about it. Whenever you get it, pay it back with no interest. I don't care how long you keep it. So eventually they paid that man back. They outgrowed that building. Daddy never seen the guy, hardly ever, just very seldom see the guy. Said they, they left that building, went across town where the, the location is now, the first church that he built there. And he started building that church. And that guy pulled up there in those overalls again. He said, well, son, how are you going to pay for this one? He said, I'm doing it the same way I did last time. He said, well, I'm going to finance you on this one too. And loan him the money for that church uh, with uh, just no, no interest in whenever he could pay it back. God was always working. God was always doing things. And God was always moving and uh, it's amazing to see the, uh, the, uh, the faith. I can, I can remember him walking into situations and, and praying over problems and with no fear of, of the enemy or the adversary and, and preaching in situations with no, no fear of, of the results or just believing that God was just able to do anything. In sickness and in health. Loving God, serving God. I can remember he'd done very well in life. And uh, <clears throat> he uh, was working to help support himself. The church got big enough to support him. But he was doing very well in business, building houses and uh, making a lot of money. So he didn't want to quit that. And an elderly preacher come by and told him one day, he said, Brother Buddy, that's what they called him, Brother Buddy. God sent me by here to tell you to get out of the building business. He didn't call you to build houses. He called you to build churches. And uh, so daddy said he looked at a guy. This was about 1978, 79. He was uh, really doing good in the building business. I think one year he had built 90-something houses and uh, making a lot of money. And uh, he looked at this elderly preacher and never had anything. And uh, he said, yeah, he said, I'll get out one day. And uh, he said, you know, said, I started this because the church wasn't able to support me. And, and uh, he said, yeah, but it's able to do it now. And God said, get out of the building business. Well, he said, one day I will. But uh, come about a year later, 
God put him out of the building business. And uh, I seen him in a very, very trying time of his life. I seen a man that went to, to giving and blessing people, carrying people on hunting trips, paying for their way, uh, carrying kids that could not go, paying all their expenses, doing things, helping evangelists, helping missions, to where I was there sitting in the den one night when he got the letter and he lost everything that he had. He lost all of his possessions. I believe it was 22 houses either completed or under construction that he lost, six apartment complexes that he lost, and uh, many, many different rental properties that he had lost. The only thing that he was able to salvage was um, the house that we had. We had a farm, 40 acres, and a house on it that he was able to claim as his homestead. Other than that, they got everything. And uh, he went from driving Cadillacs and Lincolns and flying airplanes to a guy come by and gave us a Chevette. And that's what we drove, that and the church van. And uh, times was not good, but I seen a man that, that when times was hard, he still had his faith and his confidence in God. I seen him where the church began to turn against him, but still he would walk to the pulpit full of faith, full of fire, full of zeal, and full of believing in God that God was able to do anything. I remember him coming and telling us the story. He said, I pulled up to the service station today. And he is in an old Ford Pinto station wagon. Anybody remember what those looked like? They were not very attractive at all. And uh, he said, I was getting gas. And said, a businessman pulled up beside me and said, hey, preacher, it looks like your Lincoln kind of shrunk, don't it? And uh, he said, yeah, I said, times ain't as good as it once was. But God is still faithful and God is still good and God is still great. And still, I, I remember him sitting there in the den that day with tears running down his face and uh, thinking of all the things that was gone. But in the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of turmoil, still believing that God is faithful. Amen. And I can remember uh, he, he enjoyed going to Colorado every year. The month of October, that was his vacation. And uh, I can remember the time rolling around. And this is a way that God blesses those who are a blessing. And uh, I can remember the time rolling around. And uh, he didn't have the money to go. And uh, we got talking about Colorado. And he said, well, said, we're not going to be able to go this year. And uh, about, about two weeks before it was time to go, a man in another state called him and said, Brother Buddy, said, are you going to Colorado this year? He said, no. Nah. I said, not going to be able to make it this year. And he said, well, why, why are you not going? He said, well, said, things just ain't good. And I can't. Can't really go. He said, well, he said, i tell you what I'm doing. He said, i got a guy that's going to be on the way next week. And he's got a truck. And uh, on that tr truck, he's pulling a gooseneck trailer. And it's got two four-wheelers. And it's got a Bronco, a Ford Bronco. And uh, he's got a bunch of credit cards in his billfold. And you and your boys go and don't worry about what it costs. Just put everything on the card. I think it was for four years that man did that for my daddy. For four years. Of all the years that he had paid everybody else and done for them, 
God was having it to come back around. So don't think that things that you do for somebody else, God is not marking it down. Amen. That God is not taking it and writing it in his book. I, just, just amazing to see the way that God brought him back. And uh, when he died, he, his church was doing better. And uh, he was doing as well as he had ever done in life financially. And because he never lost his faith in God. But he put some things in my heart and in my spirit. More than just watching his physical body and the way that he handled problems. And the way that he handled adversity. Today I pay tribute to him to putting this one God apostolic message in my heart. That it became part of my chemical makeup. Amen. I feel like Jacob did when he went to Bethel and he, he had a dream of the angels ascending and descending. But it was always a God of his father. But you find a little later on when he went back to Bethel on his own accord and it no longer he had a wrestling match with the angel of God and it was no longer just his God of his fathers but it became the God of his own personal self. Amen. The things that has been handed down to me of this apostolic way of life, this good holiness message of separation from the world, today I say thank you, Daddy, for being the Daddy figure of my life. Amen. Of times going good and times bad, still you was an anchor point. I want to tell you today, there's lots of you in this house that could pay tribute to your fathers that raised you in this good apostolic way. Amen. I want to tell you today, if you have children, daddies, pay attention to what you're doing. Amen. Pay attention to the way that you're living. There has to be a transfer of this apostolic message. More important than teaching them how to fish. More important than teaching them how to hunt. More important than teaching them how to ride. It's teaching them that hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. So I've learned of how to, to tell jokes. I've learned how to pull jokes. I've learned how to carry on. I've learned how to pick. I've learned how to take care of false prophets. I learned what God expects out of a man. And I can tell you this morning that what my daddy preached, he also practiced what he preached. He did not tell me one thing and do something else. He did not preach to the church, he must do one thing and his kids did something else. Because I think whatever he preached to them, we were required to go beyond and beyond what they were. He saved me from a lot of heartache. And if I would have listened to everything that he told me, I'd have been saved a lot of unnecessary things in my life. But today I just want to say thank you for the things that you've placed in my heart and in my spirit. 
But the most important thing that I take out of my raising is being raised in this wonderful truth of being brought to the house of God. As one person said, said they were on drugs in their young life. They were drugged to school. They were drugged to church. They were drugged all over the place. But I'm glad that when I did not want to go, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> I can remember something else very funny, very sad, but it's funny looking back on it. Now, I know a lot of people think, oh, when a, when a kid gets 18, man, they do what they want to do. Not if they're living in your home. I wasn't raised that way. But I, I was there. My, I think my brother was about 22 years old, the one that's pastoring now. And um, he was, he come in the house one day, and uh, I can remember him coming through the door. His hair wasn't very long, but it was getting a little shaggy. My daddy said, hey, boy, you need to get a haircut before the day's over. I'm just sitting there. I was about, I don't know, about eight, nine years old. And I heard my brother say, I don't think I want to get a haircut. I said, whoops, I better get out of here. This ain't going to be nice. And uh, <clears throat> the last thing I remember hearing was, he said, well, as long as you're in my house, you're going to get a haircut when I tell you to get a haircut. And I exited. When I come back around the corner, I seen him grabbing clothes and walking out the door. I said, oh, man, mama was crying. Daddy said, he ain't going to live here. He ain't going to do me that way. He's going to do what I say. And, uh, but but I, I tell you, that strong figure, that strong force and that strong arm in my life has helped. I don't know if he'd be too proud of what I am today, but has helped me become what I am today. And I know that if all of you, if, if you have a daddy that is still alive today, <clears throat> you need to uh, call them up and let them know how much you appreciate. I, I didn't understand everything that he did. I didn't understand everything that he said. But when I look back on it now, I can understand things a lot better. I can understand the reason why he made decisions that he made in life. Along with Brother Duplessis, I know he was saying a while ago, there's been a lot of times I'd like to be able to call him up on the phone and say, hey, what do you think about this? What should I do about this? I can never, I can never forget the first time that I bought a vehicle after he passed away. I'd never bought a vehicle without calling him and asking him. I don't know if I ever bought a gun or anything without calling him and asking him about what he thought. And I didn't always do what he said, but I wanted to know his opinion. And I could remember coming in here. I, yeah, I know you think it may be crazy, but I come in here, and if we'd do this, it'd probably keep us out of a lot of trouble just praying. I said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what decision to make. I don't know how to make a decision like this. And there's been many a times I've come before God and said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn, and I'll go back to my raising and see the different decisions that men of God have made in my life and direction they have given me. Let's all stand. So today, if you do not have a father that has been that steady 
force in your life. I feel for you, and I'm sorry about that. But you find somebody that you can put confidence in, somebody that loves God, somebody that serves God, somebody that believes this wonderful message, and you hold them close to you because we, we, even, even, it, I don't guess you ever outgrow this. We all need father figures in our life, right. a strong point, an anchor. A life without an anchor is a life without meaning. It just drifts in every direction, and it blows whatever way the wind is blowing. But when you have an anchor, when you have an anchor point, there's something always keeping you where you need to be. So to my daddy today, I say thank you for what you've put in my heart and put in my spirit. To my father-in-law today, I say thank you for what you've put in my heart and put in my spirit. And he is an anchor in my life, and for that I am grateful. So I want you today, I want you to take time today, and I want you to thank somebody that has been a steady force in your life, that has been there. When you needed them, they were there. When you were in trouble, they were there. When you needed direction, they were there. Not someone to gossip about everything, but someone that you could trust in. Someone that you could confide in. Let's lift our hands and thank God for those figures that have been in our lives today. God, I love you today. I thank you, God. Thank you for your mercy. You've been good to me. You've been good to me to allow me to have the strong forces in my life that I have, God. And for that I am grateful and I am thankful and I give you praise for that. And I give you glory for that. God, I thank you. I pray, God, that you would help me to be the man that I need to be, the father that I need to be to my children, God. Lord Jesus, I want, I want the fathers just to reach out to God right now. If there's ever been a time in this world, in this crazy society that we live in, that we need God's help to help us be the men that we need to be. God, help us today. Wives, pray for your husbands right now. Help us today, God, to be the leaders. Hallelujah. Come on, could we reach out to God? I don't know, you might think you've got it all figured out, but I don't have it all figured out today. I need God's help. Somebody reach out to the Lord. God, give me direction in my life, God, of how to raise my family. I need you. I need you, God. I need you, God. I need you, God. Help me, Lord, to be able to transfer truth to my children, God, where they would love you. God, where they would love you, where they would serve you, where they would dedicate them li their lives unto you. If we miss, if we provide everything, daddies, hear me today. Hear me today. If we provide everything for our children that they could always want or ever dreamed of and we fail to transfer this truth, we have failed. We have failed. I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. That's my main goal. That's my main purpose in life. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I love you. Help us today. Why don't we just pray that God would help us transfer truth to our children today. Help us today, God. In Jesus' name. Hear you children the instructions of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not. And she shall preserve thee. Love her. And she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting. Get understanding. You today that are privileged to have. A dedicated committed father. Heed the instructions of the Father. Young people, listen at me. Hear me today. Because they've already been there. They've already faced that. They've already seen that. And it wasn't too long ago. And they've got wisdom and understanding from those experiences. I want to save my children things that I did not save myself from. Amen. Thank you. I know you may not have been expecting this today, but it's what I felt like doing. And uh, I give my parents the highest honor today. Lord bless you. Remember church tonight. Let's come praying and expecting and believing the Lord. Hold on just a second, please. As many of you know, I'm a duck farmer. And I uh, hatched out some ducks here a while back. They all died but one. So I've fed that duck and raised it. And it got big enough yesterday. I took it, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but I took it and put it in the pond. And uh, it run up on the bank, and then it, I'd chase it back in the water, and it'd run up, and I'd chase it back. I've got uh, another duck that I think Brother Looper bought it, uh, and it's the oldest one I've got. But he didn't get as old as he is by being stupid, because there's a lot of danger. Uh, coons, foxes, coyotes, they come up and, and take my ducks and the neighbor's dogs, they come and... So, for the ducks to survive, it's, it's been... Uh, they're, they're pretty good. I've got four ducks that stayed... And I, I've got a point here, so don't get in a hurry. Uh, the four ducks, they all stay together. And I've got these two white ducks and four mallards, and they stay together. So I put this young duck in. The, the one of the white ducks, I raised it. And so this one little duck, I put it in the pond yesterday. And uh, of course I was concerned, I want to make sure that it survives. 
And this, this morning, I didn't see it. And uh, I, I looked out there and didn't, didn't find it. I said, well, something may have got it. So I got on the golf cart, and I rode out there, and the little old duck was up in the corner there at the pond, and you couldn't see it. Brother Carl had given me some decoys, which are dumb, inanimate. They don't know anything. They don't do anything. But there's two mallard decoys. One's a, a, a drake, one's a hen. And that little white duck, that little new duck, has attached itself to those two decoys. It'll never learn anything from them because they can't teach them anything. And it's a sad day when people attach themselves to preachers that are nothing more than a decoy. And you ought to be thankful that you've got a real live leader today. And God bless you. I, I told Brother Looper to go to the back door where he could shake hands with some of you. Because some of you have to have that little touch every time you come to church. And he never makes it off the platform before you surround him with your little problems that could wait with a little time. And you could. But anyhow, go shake hands with your pastor back there.